0: Good afternoon. It is Niall Boylan, which writes you, well, certainly for the next hour or so. Lots happening, by the way, and in the news today, very interesting that the Irish government are now going to be fined $1.5 million for not accommodating refugees by the EU. Wow, huh? Since 2012, we've had a homeless crisis in this country. I don't remember the EU ever fining us before for not housing citizens of Ireland, but now they're going to be fined, so they need to get their skates on and start finding accommodation and stop leaving people sitting on the streets in tents. Also, by the way, RT believe that it's news to tell us that it hasn't rained in Denmark in two weeks. Wow, it hasn't rained in two weeks. It is June, isn't it, by the way? Can I just mention? Maybe this is some sort of climate alarmism. I'm not too sure. But how the RT believe that that's actually newsworthy is beyond me. But first, we do want to get to sex education, a topic that we have broached many times before, particularly when it comes to children, because what's foremost on our mind all the time is the protection of children. And there has to be a balance in that protection. We have to educate them. We have to tell them about the world around them. We have to make sure they're non-judgmental. But we also have to be careful that we don't give them too much information that maybe will put thoughts into their heads because, of course, children are very easy to manipulate. But is it a parent's job or the school's job to educate your children when it comes to sex? Now, the Minister of Education, Norma Foley, has said that she believes the new sexual education curriculum published last week brings the syllabus into the real lived experience of young people today. She was speaking after the National Council of the Curriculum Assessment, the NCCA, published a revamped SPHE, which is a social, personal and health education, sex education to, to all the rest of us. And this is for the junior cycle. Let's not alarm people too much, by the way. For the summer this year or from September, it'll be for the junior cycle. It won't go into primary school until 2024, possibly 2025. They're not going to change it. Well, they say they're not going to change it, but mind you, the instructions that I've been told that have been given to school teachers is to slowly change it anyway. Now, she was, of course, speaking outside the Department of Education. She said that she was conscious of the huge amount of young people assessing pornography on their phones. And she said, we need our children to be safeguarded. We need them to be protected and we need them to access information in a safe place and not relying on mobile phones. This is not the world in which it's safe or a safe environment for them. Now, there has been a lot of objections to the new sex education bill with parents saying they'd like to opt their children out. And the reason is because the new sex education programme will include inclusivity, i.e. the LGBTQ community. Um, Genders, in other words, it's not going to be what they called gender normative. Now, that's a very difficult thing to understand. Gender normative essentially means that we don't refer to people as boys and girls. We don't refer to parents as mams and dads. We don't refer to people as mothers and fathers or males and females. We're just people nowadays. We're human beings. Uh, We're all the same and you can be really whatever you want to be. Uh, There was a case in the Isle of Man where they had to stop the sex education program because one child was expelled because he questioned the teacher uh, when the teacher told him that young girls could have a penis. Um, In other words, what they're telling boys and girls during the sex education is that if you were a young boy and you want to be a girl, that's perfectly fine if you want to identify in that way. And if you're a young girl and you want to identify as a boy, that's perfectly fine and acceptable too. And I'm not too sure how many genders they believe there is nowadays, but there has been suggestions of over 100, whereas many people believe there are two, male and female. Now, you might believe this is acceptable, and that's fine, because, of course, we live in a world where we don't want children in the next generation growing up judging people. We don't want bullying. We don't want people calling each other names. We want people to accept each other for what they are and who they are. But we also don't want to implant ideas in their head, and we don't want this to become a social contagion. So I want to get your thoughts on it today. Leo Varadkar said that he will give parents the opportunity to opt out if they're not happy with the sex education. I don't know whether he refers to junior cycle or primary. We're a little bit unsure on that. Norma Foley said the same thing. But I am guessing they're going to change their views on that very soon. And I'm guessing that you might not be able to opt your children out. But I'm asking you, If you're a parent of young children in primary school in two years' time or junior cycle right now, 14 or 15 years of age, will you be opting your children out of the new sex education bill? Well, joining me today to discuss the matter... Is Jana London, who is the founder of the Natural Women's Council, an advocate for women and children, and mama of a boy and a girl. And also Clarity Mills, who's a sexual educator. Uh, for adults, can I point out, by the way, not for children, but has a very good view and a very good idea what we should be teaching children and how we should teach about sex. Good evening or good afternoon to you both.
1: Good afternoon. Good day
0: uh, now I'm gonna I'm gonna come to you first, Jenna, if I can. Um why do you object so strongly to the new sex education bill, or as it's better known, the or uh, the SPHE bill?
1: Yeah, there's several reasons that uh, myself and the five groups that I work with, including my own organisation, the National Women's Council, there's several reasons we object to it. Uh, the primary reason is that we need to safeguard our children. And if we look at a child's young developing mind, particularly age 12, which will start the new curriculum in September, uh, a child should not be taught gender ideology as a fact because gender ideology is a social construct. Biological sex is innate and biological sex cannot be changed. So to teach a child, and I've been spending a lot of time reading the uh, the new SPHE book here in Ireland, teaching a child that gender identity is about how you see and feel your, about yourself being male, female, both or neither, irrespective of the sex you're born in, showing them the little gender-bred person here, that is not biological fact. Teaching them that they can be non-binary, not identifying this person looks confused in this, in this page here, Non-binary, I do not identify as either male or female. Now, there are certain people in the world that do suffer from gender dysphoria, which is classed as a psychiatric condition by the American Society of Psychiatrics. Yes, but the the WHO
0: did remove that classification going back many years ago. Um, It has been removed from the DSM, hasn't it?
1: yeah i just picked up this book from the countess which is another group doing fantastic work and it I, does we've spoken state,
0: we've spoken to the countess a couple of times
1: yeah it does say gender dysphoria is listed to the psychiatric condition issued by the american Psychi- psychiatric association so i'm not saying that there aren't people who will be confused and suffer from this condition but in no way should we convince all children through an authority figure such as a teacher that their gender is fluid. Their biological sex as a child is one of the very few things in a child's world that is uh, known for them. They know they're a boy or a girl. They know they have a mummy and a daddy, and they know they have a sick well, there, there, there would be an
0: argument. Well, Jenna, there would be an argument that some children don't know if they're a boy or a girl. Um, or some children are confused about their gender. Or, you know, I mean, many years ago, we would have referred to people as being, I suppose, camp or tomboy, or those are the words that we would have used. Whereas nowadays, we probably have a better understanding of people's psychological or mental states when it comes to, uh, as you mentioned, gender dysphoria. So, I mean, there are children in the world who identify as... Uh, the opposite sex. I'm not suggesting they are the opposite sex, but they certainly identify as it. And I suppose the idea of the sex education bill is to teach children not to judge. So if little Johnny, you know, identifies as Mary and he's 13 years of age, We, the last thing we need is a group of kids in the schoolyard calling him names because we're telling them that this is a fallacy.
1: Absolutely. Every every child should be respected. Um, every child is their own unique person an individual. And if a child is confused, the, the first thing we should teach our children is to love and accept themselves for how they are born. And if they're confused, that child should absolutely get the love and support from their parents and involve experts as needed. However, if we... Fast forward five years and look at what's going to happen to these school children in Ireland, if we tell hundred percent of children that their gender is fluid, they can choose to be male, female, both or neither, and we convince them of this, we will end up seeing this as a social contagion and sow seeds of confusion where they don't exist when it's a very, okay. very, very, That's, small, a, that, that's a
0: good point. That's a good point to go to clarity males on clarity. Uh, obviously, you're involved in sex education um, not obviously of children, but certainly when it comes to adults. So you're dealing with people who may have different kinks and different confusions on a regular basis. The idea and this has been proven already in numerous studies at the moment that we have seen a m- dramatic rise in the amount of young people, teenagers in particular, identifying as the opposite sex to that, that that they were born as. And they're classing this in a lot of cases as a social contagion. Would you accept that?
2: No, I would would not agree with that assessment. I think what Jana and I share in common is that I am all about protecting children. And I think that the earlier we get sex education into classrooms, in general, sex and health education, the better the outcomes are for the children. And that's on many factors. So that could be in reduced teen pregnancy, that could be reduced STI rates later in adulthood, that's uh, reduced statistics of children being preyed upon. Um, The other thing I would agree with Jana on is that gender is a social construct. What I think is happening now, and we've talked about this previously on our show, Niall, is that teachers are doing the job that parents used to do. Um, but because you have two parents and they're working full time and they don't have, and they themselves may not have the language or the education to be able to educate their children on these subjects, um, the school is stepping in and doing it for them. I would probably agree with Jenna that it is the place of the parent to do this education. Unfortunately, because we live in a society where people have to work, they don't have time, they don't have expertise. This education system is stepping in and handling this conversation. And the job of education is to prepare children for the world that they're going into. So in any given population, in any major city center, 10% of the population is gay. So in the United States, the country that I come from before I moved to Ireland about six, seven years ago, um, we didn't start adding... The conversation around LGBTQ couplings until the 2000s in some states, 2010s in some states, we still don't have that conversation. Like as and as you see, states like Florida are actually pulling those conversations back at the primary school level. And the reason why they started to sneak into the conversations about LGBTQ coupling started to sneak into the educational curriculum at a primary and certainly at a secondary school level is because same-sex couples had children in the same schools and it was confusing to children to not explain the world that they were already living in it was a little bit late to the party. But, but, is, but, is, ed, so but think, is
0: education not a blunt instrument? And you talk about 10%. By the way, I didn't realise it was 10%. I was told it was 6%, although that figure is debatable around the world. It depends but, but, but it depends you, on the... Yeah, it depends, yeah, it depends on, on where community. you are. Yeah. But you, you talk about, you know... like for, Let me give you a brief example. Maybe it's not a good analogy, but there was two kids in my class who yeah. had no fathers because their father died. and But that didn't mean that the teacher couldn't say, you know, boys and girls, when you get home, talk to your mams and dads just because you might upset those two children. In other words, education yeah. has to be a blunt instrument. Based on what is the norm, inverted commas. In other words, the majority of children are in a heterosexual family or the nuclear family, as as they call it. Some children would be a single parent family. Some children might be in same sex families, uh, would be less common. Some people might be in a transgender family. But the norm, inverted commas, is a heterosexual nuclear family. So why do we change everything then to suit? There was a very famous quotation many, many years ago is that you don't sacrifice the rights of the majority to appease a minority. So, And, and, and I kind of stick with that. I think we have to be careful how we do that.
2: I think, but I think we always talk about the minority in any kind of context, like, for example, educational curriculum at primary, secondary school levels would talk about travelers, the, the ethnic community within Ireland, that is by far a minority, but it's good to understand that they are a part of the community and the patchwork quilt that makes up
0: the Absolutely. culture that the kids I, and live in. I don't think anybody would have an issue explaining to children that some boys and girls have two daddies and some have two mammies, et cetera, et cetera. But when you start Mm. making it, and as the sex education bill talks about when you go into detail and you you dig down, it uses this thing about removing the gender normative. In other words, Mm. you know, it won't be long, similar to the United Kingdom, similar to the United States, where parents will not be referred to as mom and dad or your mommy or your daddy or a boy or a girl. We had a teacher only last Mm. week in the United Kingdom. In a girls' school, who said "Good morning, girls," and he was fired.
2: Yeah, and I think that's sensationalism and overreaction. I think that that we uh, we have to uh, pull the reins on that kind of behavior in both directions, and overreacting to. Uh, you know, a a common greeting versus, you know, being sensitive to the needs of of students. There was was one child
0: complained, one child complained because she identified as as non-binary or as a boy. I'm not too sure. And because he was a Christian teacher, he was fired.
2: Yeah. And that's, I I think that behavior needs to stop. That just, that just furthers the narrative and and divides the conversation even further. Okay. What I think, I think the benefit of talking about gender roles at a primary and certainly at a secondary school level is that it is a social construct and kids, teenagers are angsty. They don't fit in. They're awkward. I think as you see the rise of other like non-binary gender fluid, you'll see a drop actually, and we're starting to see data that demonstrates this, a drop in the presence of transgender men or women when there is like this other catch-all category. It's still gender dysphoria, as Jenna presents, is still in the DSM five. It is still a mental disorder, but I think. But did the, did the WHO seeing, not declassify
0: that? gone five five years ago.
2: No, no, it's still in the DSM five, and it, which is it's it, a medical textbook, right? And it is, mm-hmm. and it is a, a mental disorder, just like limb disorder, just like other forms of body dysmorphia. Um, it. Well then, well then why? Irresponsible- well then,
0: then is Jenna not got a point? Then, why are we teaching children that it's okay? To have what would be classed by some as a disorder—that um, doesn't make any a sense. Differentiation.
2: Does we, we I might think be it was creating
1: a, d- a disorder if we do that, Niall, That's a really good point. Is gender dysphoria is classed as a psychiatric disorder. So if we're teaching every child gender is fluid, we're teaching every child and normalizing a psychiatric condition, we are gonna spread a potential mental health crisis in Ireland, which is already really uh, catastrophic at the moment. What will it look like in five years if we're teaching children that a, a psychiatric condition is the normal and they can choose their gender?
0: I mean, uh, Clarity, I, I, when I listen at the moment on a broader uh, conversation in relation to trans issues at the moment, and I, I listen to educated men, primarily men, mm. politicians being asked a simple question, including Keir Starmer, Ono Bryn, our own housing spokesperson, and Sinn Féin, what is a woman, and struggle to answer that question. It blows my mind because we... We are pandering constantly to people in case we upset somebody with what with, well, is basic language. Mm.
2: And I think that's where a lot of people take exception when you talk about pronouns like the they and the them, which is sing- you know plural versus singular, which is just grammatically incorrect. Right. And that's where a lot of the um, more conservative or anti-trans kind of elements, especially in my country, uh, take exception to it. I, and I, I understand, and I take Jenna's point about romanticizing uh, a, a pathology, right? And pathologizing our children. But I do think there's a different conversation. And I think this is a bit of the canary in the coal mine, which is that the way that society has worked up until now is that it's it's um, segregated. And with the rise of like feminism and all these different things, you're starting to see those segregations fall away. And I believe that Gender rights and gender definitions and giving children and adults and people in general and society the space to express in the way that they want without um, stigmatizing it is a benefit. And it is a good lesson to teach all children, just like we would do with any kind of people of any kind of ability without romanticizing it. And I think there's a way that education can do that.
0: I'll, I'll come to the textbooks in a second, Jenna, but is that not a good point? You know, that it's not that we're romanticizing something. We're basically telling people that you need to accept that these, there are other children or there are other people in this world who identify differently. Whether you believe that or whether you want to believe that is kind of irrelevant, but you must respect it.
1: Yeah, I think a respect and forcing belief are two different things. You know, um, I know there was an event that we recently uh, did outside the Department of Education and there was a young boy who came up to us and heard us speaking about the curriculum and we were talking about the things that we don't consent with. And he said, I was expelled from school. He said, I'm Muslim. I was expelled from a school in Dublin because I wouldn't address a girl by her pronouns who was going through a a social transition. He said, it's against my religious beliefs and he was expelled from school. We also have seen a teacher in Ireland, Enoch Burke, who would not go into the pronoun fantasy or or that and there's one thing between respecting people and i always hear when i give speeches outside at different assemblies or on on the news shows is people say well we want rights and you know i've done events and i've had people come up and shout at me spit at me pour water on my head and say trans rights are human rights and i say we all have human rights but please tell me what rights do you not have i want to protect childhood and not plant the seeds of doubt in young children's minds that isn't taking away your rights. So it's a very inverted approach when people say, you're taking away my rights, you're speaking with hate, you're phobic. No, I'm not, I'm just simply saying we should not be teaching children their biological sex can be changed. But because- hey, but-
0: But here's the thing, in relation to some of the literature, and I've heard you read it out on radio, which was quite entertaining recently, by the way, uh, on national radio. (laughs) Um, uh,
1: Not my my proudest moment in life. Mind you, the hypocrisy. Joe Duffy's Duffy's little sidekick, Boucher Hayes, uh, (laughs) it it, it showed him for the hypocrite he was that
0: day. Okay, well, yeah, because he was saying that it wasn't offensive, but yet he wouldn't (laughs) let you read out the words on the radio in the middle of the day in case children heard it, which was quite ironic. Uh, But some of the words that you read out that day, but uh, that That was from uh, the book, of course, I Am Gay, which is now not in the curriculum. And and I know you have a copy of that there, which is the famous one everyone talks about. This book is gay, sorry. Uh, And and that particular book contains quite graphic images, quite graphic explanations. And there was a suggestion that was going to be used in the curriculum. But that is to to clarify, it's not being used. And actually I have a clip here, by the way, of Senator Sharon Kyogen when she talked about that particular book. And have a quick listen to this both of you, if you can. You may uh, have seen some of the work done last month by the Irish women lobby who took a deep dive into some of the reading material that has been recommended by school children by the NCCA, the National Council for Curriculum and Assessment. While many books seemed innocent and helpful enough, a few other entries jumped out, notably one book which offers detailed instruction on manually bringing men to sexual climates, anal sex and oral sex with accompanying childish cartoons. The book this book is gay, is written by James Dawson, is aimed at the junior cycle and informs children as young as 12 that perhaps the most important skill you will master as a gay or bi man is the timeless classic, The Handjob. Now, I, I don't, uh, with, with respect clarity, thankfully that book has, is now not in the junior cycle. I, I'm, I'm aware now that it's not. But that certainly clarity wouldn't be appropriate for 14 year olds. Or are you going to say it is because they're reading this in porn anyway?
2: That's what I'm going to say is basically there's a fine line. I would say that's probably even a bit too extreme for 14 year olds. But by the time that children are 16 years old, 90% of them have seen porn. And if we do not teach them, if parents do not teach them, if school systems do not teach them porn will, and they porn is a terrible teacher. Porn is to real sex as action movies are to real life. And they shouldn't, be taken as such and it is important that education or or parents or the community enforce this message to children and so going into detail there was a quote from one of the other tds who's reading a segment and it was talking about anal fisting or something like that
1: that's and, right that's in, in that context. book too yes yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 Book, sex by uh the book on this is sex by uh so, yeah, I have all the books here on my phone. And that contains away.
0: references to <laughs> yes. anal fisting. Yes, it does. Yes, it
1: does. I yeah. mean, that that's yeah, completely I
0: inappropriate. That's- I believe for anybody under the age of 18, don't mind a school child. Well,
1: I, I, well, I think that's worth talking
2: about with pro- secondary school children. And what, anal fisting? We'll see.
0: Well, no, no, Clarity, hold on no, no, In the second. context
2: of you'll see things like what this. What context? Don't do this in real life. You'll do this in real life. And I mean, look, for instance, like I'll just go back to my analogy. Action movies are to real life. What porn is to actual sex. Right. And, in order to teach kids who are already going to try and do these things. So if you look at TikTok, you see kids doing dumb things, jumping off buildings, and, you know, trying to do act like make their own versions of action movies. And the same way we have to tell them, don't do that, is the same reason why we have to say anal 15. Don't, you know, snog your girlfriend and try and shove your hands up her ass. Like it's, it's crazy that we have to have those conversations, but we do. And that is the information that's available to them. And I think there's a way, a delicate diplomatic, Way And also to incorporate parents into that educational process. But I do think it's worth having those difficult conversations because they're already seeing it. It's unfortunate. Well,
0: OK, well, let, let's let's go back just to Janet in relation to that. I mean. Yeah. The argument is look, but don't get me wrong. And people know my position on this. If with all my children, I wouldn't be happy that they'd be learning. I'd be opting them out of that kind of stuff. I know Clarity hates me for that, but anyway. <laughs> but but it's ain't Jana. I mean, mean, there is an argument, yeah. and the, and the counter argument clearly by Clarity is that we have seen research recently that children as young as nine years of age are looking at porn on smartphones. So, you know, by allowing them to do that unquestioned, unchallenged, and as Clarity said, you know, it's all right to bend your girlfriend over and do whatever you want with your fist, that we need to tell them that's not right, that's not what you should be doing. We need to be talking about the dangers of doing things like that or talk about proper sexual education and intimacy, you know, to a child over the age of 12. is not going to do them any harm.
1: Yeah, I think um, there's, a, there's a difference between a safe sex education and then these, this type of education, which I believe are bringing adult fetishes into children's eyes, adult fetishes from from this book and about 15 other books we've looked at those fetishes like fisting, a- anal sex, all, all of those things shouldn't be taught to children, what I believe should be taught to children in the school curriculum is that pornography is out there you may or may not have seen it on your tablet uh if you see it pornography is not real sex it is not healthy sex it is dangerous and it results in crimes against particularly against women so teaching them that it's out there and it's bad but then peeling it back and saying okay so what is a healthy sexual relationship and a healthy relationship is one of mutual respect between two people it's loving explain what you what okay. sex really is. Yeah, uh, it, another thing in our leaflet that we, we, we are concerned with is we put that uh, sexualizing children from a young age in the new curriculum, it promotes sex for pleasure. So in the new curriculum, it's basically saying that as long as you have consent, it's okay, and it's all about pleasure, and it's highly sexually explicit.
0: Well, is, there, we well, well, about... now, is there now is anything wrong with is there anything wrong with saying that sexual sex is pleasure? It's not just for reproduction. Is there anything wrong with saying that to a, to a child um, of fourteen years of age?
1: It has to be balanced. I think you know the the new education program we've looked at from the going into schools is too highly sexually explicit. Okay. It's too much about all about the pleasure all about the consent. So as long as you consent, you can go off and and do it. And and it's great. It doesn't really build the healthy foundation for what a healthy sexual relationship is. Let's
0: move back if I can, uh, because I want to go back in the next two or three years, uh, probably sooner, actually. They will be implementing uh, the new sex education bill um, and social and health bill into primary school as well the changes to that will be they will talk about the things that they'll be talking about in secondary school but they say in an age appropriate fashion. But again, they talk about the gender normative and removing gender normative when we're talking about five and seven year olds. So, Clarity, I'll come to you first. I have, if I had a five year old, I don't want their head filled with what I believe is incorrect, that there's, you know, 150 genders or whatever it is today. I'm not too sure. It, keeps, <laughs> it changes on a daily basis. It as might far be
1: 200 as, genders tomorrow. If we keep yeah, as
0: far as, I, as far as I'm concerned, and that's just me, maybe I'm an old fuddy-duddy, there's two genders, male and female. And so I don't want my child's head filled with any kind of notions uh, that's happening. So is it acceptable that I just opt my child out so?
2: I mean, Parents always have the opt-out right. So if any of these educational initiatives that are coming in, it's my understanding that at least one week, if not two weeks prior, they have a parent-teacher council, they review the syllabus, they circulate at homes, and parents always have an opt-out right. Parents should always have an opt-out right, obviously. Like that should always be the case. I've never heard of that not being the case. I've never heard about people covertly educa- providing sex education or gender. Look education at your own look at your own I
0: mean, with respect, Clarity, look at the country <laughs> yeah. you're born in. I mean, you have now yeah. situations there and in Canada where kids are going to school teachers at the age of eleven and twelve, claiming that they're transgender, and then not even telling their parents. And the teachers not telling their parents. And that is allowed yeah. by law. They're also allowed to take puberty blockers in some states. States in America, they've been banned now in many states in yeah. America, uh, without even consenting with yeah. parents. I mean, that's bonkers. Yeah.
1: It is bonkers. pretty blockers are being promoted in our library under a book. I just did an interview... Uh, with a nurse here in ireland there's a book called the trans teen survival guide here it has the little healthy ireland sticker and this book we we wrote to the county councils we wrote to children's ombudsmen, tds everybody dismissed us even the Garda is because it's a safeguarding issue one of the nurses natalie in our natural women's council called a meeting with hpra and said do you realize this book in the age 12 section of the library is teaching children how to order Puberty blockers online and inject themselves. How to inject a drug you order online. That's completely unsafe. So HPRA is actually doing a formal investigation. The doctor was absolutely shocked. And one point I think is really important to make for all of the parents who are listening here is if I were to ask both of you, what would you define for age as young adult?
0: Me? You I gonna... I would say young adult is 17, 18 years of age.
1: Clearly, yeah, what would you... I, I, I would good. say the
2: same i would say probably 14 onward, probably secondary 14
1: as an adult would you say 14 as an adult
2: no as a young adult like as a teen oh okay yeah so
1: the word adult to me says young adult uh, the age of consent in ireland is 17 so young Hmm. adult really when you speak of an adult an adult should be not a minor minor is a child an adult is 18 and over in our libraries in ireland the book's in the young adult section are for age 12 to 17. And I have emails from the library to confirm that. So this is a complete makey-uppy term to say that age young adult in Ireland is 12 to 17. Age 12 is not an adult, not a young adult, not an old adult. In in any man's
0: terms, it's not a young adult. I, I think we'd all accept even 16 at a minimum Uh, where somebody would have the maturity and the logic to have a level of understanding. But getting back to primary school, um, you don't accept, Jana, that, you know, a child at six years of age should be told that there's, you know, a hundred and whatever it is, genders, um, and that, and to normalize that, because the argument for that is that we have to teach children at a young age to be accepting of other people's identities. Absolutely.
1: Have you seen the WHO Standards of Sexuality document? Clarity, you may have seen that as a sex educator. Uh, On this document, Niall, it's even worse than the age you quoted. So this teaches age nine, age nine to 12. So this will be the primary school children about their first sexual experience, different types of contraception, uh, gender orientation. So my question is why? With the WHO, the World Health Organization, and why would Ireland support a document like this talking to age nine about their first sexual experience? Age nine children should not be having sex.
2: I can take this one, actually. It's because the risk, because little girls are starting to menstruate at nine. The risk is real. And so this is why I'm such a huge advocate of bringing sex education age-appropriate, targeted, vetted by parents, vetted by the school district that is targeted towards young people is because the earlier you get in front of it, the less likely kids are to be preyed on by predators on the internet. The more you get in front of it, the less likely they are to have STIs, unintended pregnancies, etc., as they enter into their teenage or as they hit the age of puberty. So having the conversation before it's a problem versus after, and this is what I constantly, I don't disagree with you Jenna on so much of what you say, except to say they're already seeing it. You sound like an excellent parent. I wish there were more parents like you. I wish there were more parents having these educated conversations with their parent, their children. The fact is that th- that's not the case. It's unfortunately, it grieves me to say that that's so. And so my my advocacy in this space is always to bring the conversation forward so that we get in front of it so that we don't have the conversation after the kids are injecting themselves with hormones as teenagers which by the way i disagree with without supervision and medical or parental or otherwise i disagree with kids seeing pornography at a young age because it's not you, an but, education but sorry, it's clarity, how people have that in.
1: conversation yeah yeah go ahead do,
0: sorry just in relation to those puberty blockers do you agree that a child should get at any, at any age even with parental supervision or a doctor's supervision do you think children at 13 years of age or 12 years of age should be able to t- taking puberty blockers which are, no, which are irreversible, I, irreversible no. drugs in many cases.
2: No, I don't. I think there's – there's I, what I, I, I mentioned this before. As we see rises of other types of gender identities, gender fluid, gender non-binary, in other words, as it becomes safe for people to not exist as men or women in the world – the, the less I think you'll see that drop. It's the reason why I'm such a huge advocate of a kind of gender fluidity or other des- descriptions of gender because teenagers are idiots. I hang out with teenagers, I like work in mentorship programs with them and after school programs. It, and, and they're wonderful, but they're idiots. Their brains, their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed. So we don't want long lasting decisions to be made at that age. And when we allow safe spaces to be created for alternative gender identities that are non uh, let's say non-committal, where they don't have to live that way for the rest of their lives, where they can like leave room for expression or but, interpretation. But, they can be either but, or. But Sharon Kogan think- spoke
0: to us two weeks ago and she said that the uh, the safeguarding team, I think in Tusla she was referring to, um, will remove a child and have, as far as she's concerned, she has evidence that they've removed a child from a family because the parents wouldn't affirm the child's new gender. I mean, that's outrageous. We're getting, like, Canada now. It's getting outrageous. I mean, who are the guardians of children? Is it the government or is it the parents?
2: And this is the problem, right? So in the United States, we have this designation which is called a mandated reporter. So teachers are mandated reporters, uh, child psychiatrists are mandated reporters, lots of different people who work with children in different capacities, which means that if they feel like the child's well-being is unfair. Like so if they're in a domestic violence situation and they feel like the child is being physically harmed by law, they have to circumvent Absolutely. the parents and go directly to the law. Yeah. Right. We want we want that to be the case. What's happening now with gender identity and sexual orientation and all these different things is the parents, uh, excuse me, teachers are making the determination that if the parents are informed, it will pose a viable threat to the child, and therefore they. What's the viable threat?
0: The parents don't agree, and turn around and say, "You're not a girl. You're a boy. Get over." Or or
2: that they, or that they beat them or disown them, like Ah. it's, it's physical threat. It's physical threat. I, right? I just, it's actual, just because a parent doesn't like, want
0: to, a, well, just because a parent doesn't want to affirm a child's new gender and believes maybe their own child is confused and wants to support them and help them, but doesn't want to affirm their gender, doesn't mean they're, they're a threat to their children. I mean, because that yeah. would be the case in many cases. It's just parents saying, "Listen, I don't accept that you're not what you claim you are." Uh, and I think you right. know we can get you a little bit of help, a little bit of support. We love you, but listen, you're a boy, and that's it. You know, I mean, and there yeah. are parents out there who feel that way. And I believe those parents have a right to to look after and have guardianship yeah. over their own children and make decisions, consensual decisions for their own children, because that's their job. You might not agree yeah. with their decisions, but that's their job.
1: Yeah, as, a, as a parent, as a mother, Niall, I would agree that it's really the the. I believe there's some overreach from the government, the Department of Education, particularly here in Ireland. There's overreach and overstepping across the boundary between what is the parent's job to raise the child versus the government. And I do not co-parent with O'Gorman Foley or anyone in the government. I am my child's mother, and I will raise my children with the right morals and values that I, as their mother, decide to raise them. Now, of course, I've had parents ask me well what do you do if your child is confused and my answer is well first of all we should really we need to start from from the, the right foundation teach a child an adult as well to love the body they're born in to love themselves if they're confused you could give them love support involve experts if needed but in, in no way should a school or the government be allowed to socially transition my okay. by, by child i believe from what i saw in the news now we know the news isn't always accurate but the, the child that Enoch Burke refused to pronoun, the parents, I understand, didn't even know it was their child. I, I, think,
0: I think it was parent, by the way. Um, I'm not too sure. But I don't want to get into that case because obviously that's still going back to appeal yeah. to courts so, anyway. So, so we need The schools we need to-
1: aren't even going to tell me if my child wants a social transition. They're not going to tell me there's schools in the U.S. who have given children chest binders. Uh, and these are... Irreversible okay. things. And, and, and
0: we're seeing all across America go woke, go yes. broke. Bud Light and Target have seen that themselves. <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, yeah. just uh, finally, yeah. Clarity, uh, I, I'll come to you because I have to wrap, wrap this up and go to some callers. Clarity, yep. the new sex education bill, you agree with it clearly. Is there any aspects of it that you don't agree with?
2: So I think um, I would like to see more involvement of parents, actually. And what that means is like coordinated. So clear definitions of opt-out which is on transparency
0: transparency
2: transparency yes i'd like to see a bit more transparency about engaging with parents i would like to see um, you know syllabi circulated in advance and pre- prior to the semester and i'd like to see that dialogue between parents and the school um increase actually i think that's actually the key to success for all of us And you want to see more, more shows like this time. talk
0: about it in a balanced way as well <laughs> more show, more radio shows and more TV shows talk about it in a balanced way instead of pretending that it's not actually happening uh, finally just, yeah. just a, a final word to you as well Jana if I can yeah. sorry yeah. and
1: I'd like to just i get I get dozens of emails daily that I read every single night before I go to bed from different mothers and fathers feeling a bit helpless on what can we do if we don't consent to this and I just would like to add the last couple of words i want to say is what mothers and fathers can do so there's two campaign three campaigns we're running at the moment the first they're they're all on irish parentsrightsalliance.com Parents or follow lawyers for justice Ireland on Facebook and Twitter they can write a letter to their school principal to opt their child out of this education if they don't uh support it they can they should write to the board of management and we have both of those letter templates they can copy paste in an email and send it takes two minutes we've also got one hundred and forty thousand of these flyers out onto the streets to mothers and fathers there's also a little tear off postcard to send into a photos. lot of work
0: into this I, I, I can tell yeah a lot of
1: work i, I don't I, I need to sleep more these days but this this has really all the facts you know we're not telling mummy and daddy what to do my organization the national women's council is saying here's all the information you read it yourself you do your own research and make your own decision as the mother and father so opt your children out if you wish Write to the board of management and anyone who wants leaflets i have a hub in every single county in ireland i've sent thousands of these to every county people can get the flyers out to the mothers and fathers at the school gate so they can make the most informed decision okay. that's best for their own child
0: Listen, thank you very much indeed, Clarity Mills, a sex educator. Although it always sounds odd. And by the way, Clarity, I hope that your the pollen count reduces. I can see your hay fever is getting <laughs> is getting you down there. And thank you very thank much you. indeed as well, Jana London, who's the founder of the Natural Women's Natural Women's Council of Ireland. Listen, thank you very much to you both, and I appreciate you coming on the air and talking to us today. The multi award winning Nile Boylan podcast.